0: If you are serious about DevRel, you you want to plan for it. So if you have someone who knows how to put a plan together, uh, knows how to make sure that the different parts internally, in terms of the internal stakeholders, are really gathered and really bought into whatever you're doing, that is a seal of approval to get someone who's going to be doing the day-to-day out in the world's work to make sure that they know that they're being supported.
1: Welcome, fellow avocados, to Developer Advocast, a podcast where we learn how the proverbial guacamole is made directly from some of the most prolific dev advocates around. My name is Jeremy Hess, head of devrel at Achilles.io.
2: And since you've already heard me, I'm Jerome Zisman, the bane of Jeremy's existence and his jokes. Uh... I like to call myself the Chief Manual Reader at rtfmface.dev. And we plan to bring you every two to three weeks uh, new episodes and we'll be interviewing some awesome folks. We'll be joking around because that's what we to do. And you know, bringing uh, you know, really great topics that we wanna talk about in the digital sphere.
1: We hope that you subscribe on Apple or Spotify and uh, please give us a five-star rating. Here we go.
2: Here goes nothing.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to Developer AdvoCast. We're really excited for this episode. We have two fantastic guests who we are going to introduce very soon. I will say their names, though. Maddie Stratton and Wesley Faulkner. And we're super excited to have you guys. And this episode took quite a while to get together. Finally, we managed after a couple months of back and forth. And
2: uh, I think it was weeks, not months, but I'll allow it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> fine weeks not months um i i remember hearing that somewhere i don't remember where um yeah we won't get into that so we are talking about hiring DevRel's slash developer advocates slash whatever you want to call them because that topic never gets old so thanks so much guys for showing up and uh let's get into this right away and before we get into sort of like the you know interview and chatting conversation part. Sharon, why don't you start us off with some shout outs?
2: Yes, so I guess uh, you'll know the date, but today starts DockerCon uh, virtual, but um, exciting news uh, announced Docker extensions and a good friend from the community, Martin Wimpress, uh, Slim AI's head of community, shared a really good write up on how to build your own from scratch. So uh, we'll link to that in the show notes. Really, uh, really great write up and you should check out that new functionality from Docker. Yay for open source.
1: And if you haven't seen it yet, DevOps Days, the Stand With Ukraine lineup was announced. It's amazing lineup, so definitely check it out. Uh, and there are still ways to support them. So go ahead and have a look at that. We'll also put that in the show notes.
2: Yes, uh, important non-for-profit uh, initiative, really uh, it's a charity event, so if you can, donate. Um, while not everyone speaks Hebrew, I am excited to have been able to participate in, um, in a cool uh, community initiative, the Dev Interrupted community, which has been a really great engineering podcast uh, podcast for engineering leaders uh, and, has, and now has an edition in Hebrew. So uh, you can check that out, devinterrupted.com uh, from our friends from Linear B um well jeremy remember in the last episode with uh well it wasn't the last episode one of the last episodes with jj and uh, quinn we were talking about traveling on steroids so here goes my i'm back to traveling now for conferences and i'm going to devox for less than 24 hours i don't know what i'm thinking to myself so talking about uh, burnout and crazy travel but i'm excited to be going back to you know a mega event finally after so long um maddie and uh wesley are uh probably uh used to traveling i'm guessing uh maddie will be going to KubeCon and uh, another stuff soon
3: yeah was about your
1: crazy trips
3: <laughs> it started <laughs> yeah. to come back so i feel like i i eased into it a little bit last year i, I remember just a uh, kind of funny i went my first trip i did since uh COVID started was last summer. I went to our company's picnic in Seattle and everyone's like, why would you go all the way to that? And I said, cause I wanted my first time on a plane to be no other stress. Right. I didn't want to be the combination of like first conference back first, whatever that was That's fine. Fun.
2: That's a good idea. That's so it was, it was
3: cool. It was cool. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of back, you know, things have really picked up this year. I, last month I was at DevOps days, Raleigh and DevOps days, Denver, I'll be at KubeCon. Keynotes, keynotes. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, we, we ha, tell my boss it was a keynote. I think we all yeah. need to also remember that at most DevOps days, being the <laughs> keynote just means you were the first person who spoke, uh, <laughs> is sort of how I look at them, you know, because, uh, but uh, they'll be at KubeCon. Uh, and then next month, I'll be at DevOps Days Amsterdam. Yeah. Um, nice. I'll be one. at I DevOps Days one. Seattle uh scale which is the south california yeah, linux expo which is right. super awesome yeah and um but it's interesting because i kind of am mm. thinking this may be news to people a little bit but like this might be the year that i kind of hang up my lanyard a little bit um i'm needing wow. to cut travel a little bit with between family and dogs and stuff so i'm hoping to you know do some other other types of uh, Devrel stuff. Uh, we got plenty of time. You'll see, but this is, this is maybe my uh, not farewell tour, but you know, this is me <laughs> saying like, show up at all the events I'll be at. Cause you oh, never man, know.
2: Now I'm having real FOMO. Cause I don't yeah, think. Well, uh, it's okay.
3: Just, you know, this is the last year. <laughs> I mean, Sharon, DevOps Days Tel Aviv
0: 2022. This might be your last chance to get me. So just- we are, first it was we... Elton and now it's you, Maddie. I don't even I think I just,
2: I didn't formally, uh, formally in, uh, introduce Maddie. So Maddie Stratton, uh, senior developer advocate at Pulumi. <laughs> and that's how we do things around here uh, as an afterthought, but nothing. Um, I'd love to introduce Wesley Faulkner and you are today at, remind me, uh,
0: single store single store David. single
2: store cool uh and he's also a developer advocate and wesley I uh, propose uh traveling to devox uh wrote an excellent post on the new stack about hiring dev roles with Shiel Mo, who mogul be with me at devox that's the connection in case uh that was hard to uh, connect the dots there really really great post which is one of the reasons we have wesley here specifically on the show and maddie historically i've seen him you know across his many roles that he's held. Um, Hiring DevRel's and and doing really interesting stuff on that, so I thought they could have incredible insights for us on the process, the thinking, some of the stuff uh, you know you need to think about when hiring for these roles. So welcome, and we'll
1: link to, and we'll link to the blog post in the show notes as well.
2: Yes, absolutely. I, just, I have um, to do so- these
1: housekeeping things. So.
2: So I guess, uh, Wesley, since, uh, you know, you uh, you wrote the post on it, uh, I'll start uh, with you with uh, what are some of the most common kind of facepalm mistakes you've seen in several hiring processes?
0: Well, I first say I'll, I co-hosted it. Um, I was maybe the instigator, but all the words um, uh, were to my uh, generous co-writer who wrote most of the stuff down. Um, it started with a, a thread in uh, the Slack community that we're all part of the DevRel Slack collective, um, DevRel collective on Slack. Um, I I got, I've been looking for, it was a time when I was looking for a new role. And um, I was getting approached, like we all do from developer recruiters, developer relations recruiters looking for people for roles. And usually a lot of them are like, if you have any experience in DevRel, they're like, hey, be the first Uh, you have experience, please form this group at this startup, you'll and you get to choose uh, how we spend the time and you get to shape the program, they use that as like, a really big deal, like, oh, wow, you'll be able to actually form like the incentive Devrel the right way, right. Um, And we talked like in the pre show how like these, these become these are laundry lists of requirements that they're asking for this miracle person to do. Um, And I've, I've actually done those roles before in the past, and I've seen it from the inside out of why they're flawed. And so my blog post that, that I helped write was kind of pointing out the flaw of that approach. First, I'll just see if I can just go over really quickly. First, you can either plan something or do something but it's hard to do both simultaneously, because if you're doing something before you plan, you could be doing the wrong thing. And if you're planning something before you're doing, you're spending time and effort making sure that that is laid out and not actually doing it. And so when the the, the hiring company is trying to get someone in there, they want immediate results. They want something fast, they want something good, and they want something with direction. And you can't do that unless you know the space, you, you know their objectives, you know what they're looking for, and then, the next step is once you pull all that stuff out, that stuff comes back, right? People start interacting and then and then you have to either send it over to the right department if it's like docs, or maybe it's you, or you will need to sit it into uh, the production team to do a video, or maybe that's you. And and most of the time it is you. And so you cannot react after you do uh, an engagement, uh, because you're one person, and you can't do it systematically. Uh, and the lack of understanding that puts the developer advocate or whoever's doing DevRel in a, in a place where they're dealing with the outside community and dropping that ball or the inside stakeholders and dropping that ball. So when you get started, usually they're like, go ahead and get started. So there is no time for planning. You start yeah. producing this work. It, be, it looks disjointed. You become reactionary as the stuff starts to flow back. And then anything that you had in terms of planning, loose planning at the beginning saying, okay, we need to make these blog posts. We need to make these changes to our forum and community. We need to make sure that we have this documentation and these code snippets. All the things that you had in your mind of this is what you need, that gets thrown out of the window and you have to basically just tread water so you don't drown and then you get you disappoint the community, you disappoint your boss, and then you burn out, and then you go to your next job. And that repeats over and over again. So it's really important to either hire a contractor or a consultant to do all the pre-planning, mm-hmm. get that sold, get that bought in, or allow, allow enough time to do that beforehand when you hire this miracle person in. Or even better, have these two distinct roles. Have someone be able to come in, focus on planning and someone focus on activities and engagements.
2: Interesting. Yeah. Like somebody who's higher level and defines the strategy and then somebody who's more on execution and and actually doing the work. The, yeah. It's it, it seems sense. like
0: a logical move, but <clears throat> these are very distinct skill sets. And people who do DevRel are very flexible and malleable and you can code switch to different things. But um and so you can think of them doing both, but specialization really matters here. Um, and so you want someone to be focused and making sure that they're spending all of their mental energy, really executing on the plan or devising the plan to make sure that it's executed properly.
2: That makes a lot of sense. What are your thoughts, Matty?
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just
3: want to piggyback a little bit because there's a couple things and this applies not just in, in Deverell, but like I've been, you know, one of my first manager jobs, I was a manager slash contributor, which is the worst thing ever. And we used to have in the same organization, <laughs> Uh, our managers were also our software architects. And as the great Ron Swanson will tell you, never half ass two jobs, whole ass <laughs> one job, because you run into two <laughs> things happen there. Is either one of those jobs doesn't get done well, that's your best case scenario. Um, but also, you know, Wesley was really right. It's a, it's a different skill set. And I, I think it was Lindsey Homewood that had this really phenomenal blog post years ago that was called It's Not a Promotion, It's a Career Change. Now, so there's a different skill set now, whether that's managing people or just doing the strategy. It doesn't mean that someone can only do one of those things, right? You know, I will say, you know, DevRel contains multitudes, we can, like Wesley said, we can, we can be capable of doing both of those things. But actually, sometimes they're even slightly at cross purposes with each other, with our focus, and how we have to think about stuff. And one of the problems, and I actually have a lot of sympathy for an organization that does not have a, you know, DevRel program. That's like, well, we that we need both of those things, and we can't. It's it's would be an incredible luxury to hire someone to lead the program and then also hire someone to execute. Uh, also, by the way, if you're thinking you're going to hire both of those in parallel, don't do that either, because <laughs> you know I've never seen a scenario where. Um. Yes, you don't get to hire your own team. That that tends to not go well, but it can be a fast follow. And we're going to talk uh, hopefully in a minute about how hiring devrels happens has to happen really fast. So don't worry about it. You can hire your leader. You will get your individual contributor pretty fast if your program is good. Um. But uh, and I, I really kind of like Wesley's point, though, like it could be that that contractor or that third party can be on either side. It could either be someone who will just execute and you can just like and I almost feel like if you have to make the choice, maybe go for the strategic first, because unless you have and I can think of there's organizations that I won't name where they hired someone on the individual contributor side. And there was no one to provide the direction properly. And that, per- those, that person is therefore not set up for success. Now, it doesn't mean you have to have someone who's leading your DevRel scenario. You may have someone in another department that understands this, that can provide that. So it doesn't have to be formal. So you could sit there and say you're a smaller startup and you're like, okay, we have our head of marketing, if that's where it is. And this is someone who really understands community. And they can actually lead the DevRel function for a while. And as long as they can do that and they understand it and they're willing to do it, uh, sure, then you can have someone. But what ends up happening more often than not is we're going to hire this person in and like Wesley said, expect them to wear two hats, expect them to do both things. Um, This does lead me to another thought. This is an overall hiring thing that is frustrating to me is uh, when you're looking at the person that you're hiring in to lead, to do that in that scenario, Um, you don't need to hire someone who's done it before. This is this fun thing. We always think we want someone who's done the work before, but frankly, most people don't wanna come and do the same thing again, right? So what you're gonna get if you are like, okay, well, I want someone to come and create the DevRel program at, you know, pseudo cast, this thing that I'm creating. Cool, I'm only gonna hire someone who has actually already done that. Well. First of all, that's a relatively small pool that I have to pull from. And also the only people that fit that pool that will come work for me are either coming because I'm going to throw them a huge amount of comp because why, why are they wanting to change jobs? Right? Like why would they want to change? Not, it's not a new challenge for them. It's the same thing. And I don't know about the rest of you. I always like to have, like, I will move jobs for a couple of reasons. Sometimes it's you back up a big enough truck of money, but I don't know if, you know, especially if you're an early series startup, you probably don't have the big truck of money, so maybe you'll do better to get someone who was part of a great program, and this is the thing I want to point out. You don't have to have done, sometimes just being part of something and understanding it, so that was even, this isn't a DevRel thing, but this is how I got my first job as a manager in technology operations many, many years ago, is... Because I had worked at an organization that had really solid ops practices. And so my, the CTO who hired me said, Look, I know you didn't put this stuff in place, but you know how this works because you've been somewhere, you understand it. You can come and bring this to us. So, the same thing if you've been part of a really great DevRel organization as an IC you can bring that knowledge. But yeah, I don't I don't wanna go do the same thing. Wesley, you probably don't wanna go do the same thing you've done somewhere else. None of us do, that's boring, right? And, and the only other way you're gonna get those people is pay them a ton of money and who wants to do that,
0: right? Unless you're hiring Tadda. me,
3: pay me a ton of money.
0: <laughs> you can do both. Um, so <laughs> just the, the the go back to what you're saying about the fast follow and also how you get someone who's a leader that Um, If you have someone who has a good um, plan or roadmap of how they're going to develop the program, that can also entice people to join in terms of that fast follow. Because if you know that you're going into a situation that's safe and you're actually going to be able to do good work and you're going to um, make sure that you have the flexibility and also the tools to make sure you're successful, that is extremely attractive as well as that truck of money. Uh, So. (laughs) Having a really good plan is also a good perk of a job and uh, also tells you the kind of kind of the caliber of the program that you want to have. If you are serious about DevRel, you you want to plan for it. So if you have someone who knows how to put a plan together, uh, knows how to make sure that the different parts internally in terms of the internal stakeholders are really gathered and really bought into whatever you're doing that is a seal of approval to get someone who's going to be doing the day-to-day out in the world work to make sure that they know that they're being supported. Yeah, well, yeah. a lot
1: of great information there. Uh, so we'll, we'll move on to a little bit more about the specifics, you know, sort of just getting into hiring, the actual hiring is like what 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 is it about DevRel hiring that is really unique compared to you know hiring for any other position and maybe we'll start this one off uh with Wesley.
0: So if you've seen one DevRel role, you've seen one DevRel role. I mean it's almost like they it's not there's not a a giant template of things you need to do for every situation. So um usually as DevRel is still becoming a thing, the people who are hiring for DevRel are either stealing or cri- cribbing the notes of other people and just saying this is what we need um, because the people who are creating the job descriptions and the people who are um, some of the people who are recruiting for the roles have no real clue about what is a good match for the company. So I would say that is one of the biggest things in recruiting right now is that the people who make the role don't really know what they're hiring for or what the person will do. Um, is they, it the recruiters they, that are... That are it's, creating it's, it's them. It's the whole line because if you're doing this first person or first role, the recruiters don't know. The company doesn't know how to explain it to the recruiters. the The hiring manager may not know. This the, the whatever the executive sponsor. I've seen companies where in the startup arena where their um, investors uh, have said, "Well, you need to get Devrel." In order to be successful and so they tell that to the board they tell it to the board the board tells it to the ceo the ceo says we need to hire for this and then they're off and running and that's how it gets started i have people who uh, i know who've gotten hired for the role and then every day their job is mostly justifying why they have a job saying okay i have this job and let me tell you why my job is important and that's most of what they do is just trying to evangelize internally to get buy-in and to explain what the heck they do. Uh, and that's a huge waste of resources and time. So yeah. they, they need help and they, for some reason, it's one of those things where they don't reach out and just get the professional help to have an adequate job description, make sure you're attracting the right people. Um, and then uh, what Maddie was talking about, some, some weird or, or strange weed out criteria that eliminate people um, from a role. Um, like if you have to have 20 years of Kubernetes experience or whatever, um, there's just like, it's just an ill-informed take. That's Uh, not unique to DevRel. That's like, that's just bad hiring. Right. You know,
1: (laughs) maybe a job posting, maybe a job posting for DevRel should just say, Hey, we know, you know what you're doing. So, we're gonna leave it open to you. You tell us. That's what and you doing. Wesley's
2: is like. I don't want that. I'm not. I want that. I'm not joining a company that tells me it's open. You decide. But uh, I think one of the worst uh, hiring faux pas I saw recently. I think Corey Quinn posted what's the AWS uh, re- recruiting? Like they had a they had a job ad where they actually had their rejection letter pasted in it. <laughs> oh, yeah, thank that you was for horrible. submitting this role. <laughs> better luck next time something it is like <laughs> talking about like hiring fails uh, if we're talking about hiring fails do you have any funny stories you want to share or <laughs> i feel like maddie you have a bunch of funny or fun painful stories
3: i mean it it's we we, we all do right like and 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 I, I, the problem with like the hiring fails, like, I guess it depends on what side of the equation you're talking about, right? Like, I guess it's like, as as you, the person who's going through the process versus like the hiring person, because I, I don't want to, like, as someone who's been involved in hiring, wouldn't want to tell stories about, you know. Um, I, I will say one of the things is why I think it's really important to like have good, uh qualification in the right way. And I'm going to be really careful with how I talk here because it's not supposed to be gatekeeping, but I want people to be set up for success. And this again is not a DevRel hiring story. Um, but this was back when I was hiring sysadmins many years ago. And I just remember, you know, the way that, the way that we worked, this was in the olden days of in-person and stuff and all this kind of stuff is, you know, we would do like a phone screen and we would kind of do a tech screen on the phone and then, the person would come in and 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 it would be a day of interview, right? It's your normal interview loop kind of situation. And we didn't, when we first did it, the first phone screen was just more of a like chit chat. And then the first thing that you did in the interview loop was the tech screen. And we would then have, sometimes you'd have candidates and they would just, they just didn't do it. They weren't there. And then, and they would know, you know, you know, right? When you're, when you go through a screen like that and you fail, you know, and then they have to sit through four more hours of interviews when you've already known it's gone. And so that was why we sort of changed and said like, okay, we're going to do a little bit better pre-qualification just to make sure, not, not to weed people out, but just make sure they're set up for success. And that actually goes back to, I know we want to have some fun stories and we'll get to some, but um, I think it's really important that whatever you're going to expect out of the person that's coming through your process, that you are as upfront and clear about it as you know where nothing is to catch somebody nothing is to fool somebody i know there's a lot of um contention about coding interviews and things like that and i'm not i'm not speaking on behalf for or against but we give an example of when we were when i was at PagerDuty, we for better or for worse there was a coding interview for our devrels i fundamentally disagree with that we did that because it wasn't even a coding type of thing. Um, but the thing that was fun is like for, well, not fun, but funny, cause I know now, cause I was there is, it was, I don't wanna say it was very easy to pass the coding interview, but it wasn't about whether or not you could code. It was just, the idea was to see how you handled something for better or for worse. But one of the things I made sure that was really clear after I started there and saw the experience I had was I told our recruiters, I said, we need to tell people exactly what is going to happen in this interview, right? Yes, we're going to have a coding thing. We're going to ask you to write some code in the language of your choice against the PagerDuty API. So that sets somebody up for as much success as possible versus I didn't know. They just said, you're going to write something in some language. And I guessed, luckily, that what it would be. Um, so the point is, no matter what it is that you're doing, don't, you're not trying to trick people right? We're not trying yeah. to catch them. We're not. And, and there's so much, you'll see all of this bullshit that people will talk on Twitter about how there's so many people misrepresenting themselves and we have to like flush out all these incompetence. And I have been involved in hiring for decades at this point across Devrel and across other things. Yes. Have I have have all of us worked with people that were like we can't believe how you actually got the job here because you don't know jack shit about anything? Yes. <laughs> Is it the majority of people we work with? No. Is it more than a half of a percent? Not really. It's like everybody probably thinks of one person in their whole career <laughs> that was that person. But Twitter would have you believe that 90% <laughs> of candidates Poster. are full of shit, right? So And what's the worst thing that happens? So somebody, somebody fakes their way through the interview, whatever it's, it's not, you know, it's not worth creating a really bad experience and losing out on possible ones, you know, to maybe paraphrase chief Wiggum from the Simpsons, I'd rather let a thousand guilty men go free than chase after them, you know, so (laughs) we'll, um, but I don't know. I'll try to think of some funny things. I kind of, you were, you were trying to go for a funny story and I well, got too serious. We well, already but, yeah. got
2: a Ron Swanson quote and a chief yeah. Wiggum quote. So I feel like you was know, some good funny stuff, even though it wasn't necessarily related to hiring, but good stuff. Uh, and Wesley, if you, uh, if you want to share something or have some fun uh, anecdotes, uh, feel free.
0: Well, the, the blog post actually came from a recruiter message to me, but I got one today that was a new one for me. That was
2: new, new low or new high?
0: <laughs> new low. Oh my gosh. There's, are... there's no high. This is low. are you, Sharone? This is 2022. <laughs>
3: have you been around the last couple of years? Ain't nothing but lows. <laughs>
0: I'm gonna blame this on like misplaced incentives for recruiters because it they do have a hard job, they, it, it, especially in this market. But um, the person. Um, sent me an email about a new startup uh and being the first person to run the team and they put and they sent me the email this is email not linkedin they sent me an email and they put my spouse in the in the two lines so it's me and my spouse oh, no. um just to Wait, make sure both i saw of you? it i guess oh so both yes. of you yeah <laughs> yes uh, let me just put a little caveat of, like a little clarification this spouse was my ex-wife oh no so not your current spouse not my current spouse my ex-wife that i don't talk to and haven't for for years
2: oh my gosh!
0: was like and now this person has reconnected us (laughs) around this job that they want me to take
2: (laughs) Oh boy, awkward.
0: That, I mean, if that's Block not creepy, and, and, and no, I don't crazy. know why someone would, would just like no, just crazy. do that, even if it what was- What
2: kind of stalking, online stalking do you have to do to get Oh my like, gosh,
0: or... yeah. And, and it's just like, that is a new one for me. That was, I've I, never heard I, that I am still crazy. processing and I have no idea what I'm gonna do. I but,
2: still don't like, understand how uh, people come, like find me my email my work email that's not associated for example like with my linkedin like Mm -hmm. how they they find me from there like somehow some there are services
3: there are services that do this for people
2: oh my gosh like that i'll get a i'll get a message on linkedin and they'll be like somehow they'll suddenly be in my inbox hi <laughs> you didn't answer our message on linkedin hello no, i'm here like a jack in the box i'm like how did you get to my email it oh my
0: god uh, like bit. there's stories about people like sending venmo payments with little messages and oh, no. just just trying to get in front of just candidates right now and that wow. that is not the way that yeah. is not, not the way and oh, so just i don't, I don't know is quite a story, gonna, i don't know if i'm gonna call this person <laughs> and saying okay all right what were you thinking? What was going through your mind that made you think this is okay? How many times have you used this technique, and how many times has it worked out for you? Exactly. It's like cat calling someone on the side of the room. When does that ever work? Probably have more
2: success if they added your mom or your dad. <laughs> Why did you take
0: that offer, honey? You know, you know what have had more success? Put a pay range on it. Maybe that'll that'll be something to like.
2: have <laughs> your, your grandparent be honest. Yeah. I
1: hey everyone that was the end of part one of hiring developer advocates with maddie stratton and wesley faulkner part two is coming up very soon so have a look out for it on the podcast app of your choice and uh we're excited to have you here so keep on listening